All right, I'm excited. Welcome back to True Crime Trine. It's a very serious podcast where the plane has a line <laughs> and three friends get together and discuss true crime, astrology, and the other weird bullshit we can fit into this podcast. We are your hosts, Hannah, Sarah, and Meredith. I don't know why I'm Minnesotan because this is not set in Minnesota. It went from audiophile, like whispering almost into immediately Midwestern <laughs> extra syllables throughout. <laughs> I guess I have two speeds. <laughs> Anywho, welcome to episode 91. It's not set in Minnesota. That was not a spoiler. No. Any housekeeping? I have like a partial housekeeping and, you know, I get so excited when I check our email. Is it life insurance? No, but I checked it and I was like, oh, yay, like we got a message. But it really was just a person offering editing services. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, if you want my job, but I'm not going to pay you for it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, folks. I need some suggestions. Yeah. My offer still stands. Send me something to do and I will do it. Yeah. If you leave me alone, I'll do things like this. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. I bring in the, the story Look of what you Jerry made her do. Yeah. Look what you made me do. This is all your fucking fault. Listeners. <laughs> Listeners. Uh, no, I love this. So this is Jerry Brudos is who I have today. He, he's Jesus. a big boy. Yeah. In many ways, he is also a big boy. Large. Large boy, as well as a big boy. Sarah already got the sneak peek, but I do have some facts. I have some Sarah prompts All right. for this episode. So it was High Hill Shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Willamette River. Oh. Oregon as a whole. Okay. And then I looked up Oregon State Flower is the Oregon Grape. Yep. It's this cute little yellow bunch. Fruit. It's not not a fruit. No. <laughs> the Oregon State fruit is the pear. I don't know why. I mean, I, I like pears. I just, they're never good. I love pears. I just don't associate them with Oregon. I don't either. But like, I feel like every time I go to get a pear anywhere, that's not like an already cooked pear. Like I want a fresh pear and half of it's like gone off. Yeah, they do go off really fast. Yeah. If you want so to add stop uh, fauna, there is the Oregon State bird, which is the Western Meadowlark. And Aww. the Oregon State animal is the beaver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, Giardia, but not really. <laughs> the Oregon State microbe. <laughs> nope, but I will tell you what that is. But first... <laughs> Wait, Oregon has a state microbe? Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah. That's cool. But first, Oregon is yet another state. New York was the first that has milk as the state beverage. Ew. Milk. Milk. I don't milk. like it. All right, yeah, and then for the uh, microbial special interest group that runs this podcast, the state microbe is brewer's yeast. Oh, of course it is. They oh, that makes sense there. now. They have yeah, so many breweries. all the little microbreweries. That makes so much sense. I don't know uh-huh. why I didn't think of that. Giardia would have been fitting with the state beaver, the state yeah. beaver being the beaver, but beavers don't actually transmit Giardia to humans is my scientific fact for the day. No, it's not. There'll be more. <laughs> the first of many. Unfortunately... I feel so happy. 
<laughs> that I'm losing track of what I'm doing. Unfortunately, California and Washington do not have a state micro, which I think we need to change. That's bullshit. Yeah. And Giardi would be a good one for either one of them. Lots of camping. I'm just trying to think of like other things that California might be synonymous for. <laughs> Is there some sort of like grape yeast or something? No, I was thinking, oh yeah, for, for winemaking. Or eggs. I was thinking like the Hollywood, everyone gets Botox. Oh, botulinum. <laughs> right? Oh, clostridium. That'd be nice. That'd be fun. Okay, that's better. Than- <laughs> that's good. I like it. Sold. <laughs> Sold. All right, cool. That's my contribution for today. <laughs> I will write the governor because I have time now. I'm not a stupid student anymore. Thanks. Can I just like bust into the Wikipedia page and add Sarah said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's meant for, right? Sarah prompts. Yep. Unlike the last two episodes, this one's going to be a bit of more of a doozy, so she'll have some time to really get into it. She didn't need time, obviously. It's fine. I appreciate it, because now I can really, I don't know, have a little bit more detail and less I mean, frantic Meredith, energy. I mean, if you want to draw some shoes, go for it. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, I don't. No. All right. Well, let's talk about Jerry Brudos. Okay. He was born, oh, on Monday, but a while ago. <laughs> January 31st. 1939. Okay. Oh, my first day of work. Not that year. <laughs> Making him an Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Aha, uh-huh, it's Aquarius season. I'm sensing a trend. Here we go. So he did have an older brother named Larry. Larry and Jerry. Yeah, but his name is actually Jerome. Okay. okay oh, but still. Okay. And maybe Lerome. I don't know. <laughs> but Larry and Jerry is great. Larry was intelligent, super chill, really easy kid to raise basically me to my parents as their firstborn i was super chill maybe i tricked mm. them into thinking another kid would be easy ha 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 mine did the opposite she you're like, like never nope. again nope <laughs> we're done here and mic drop <laughs> okay you're perfect as an only child yes Probably would have been better for Larry just to be an only child. His mother, Eileen, wanted a girl and so was super disappointed when Jerry popped out of her snatch. Uh, <laughs> She's like, all that working for this? No, I'm another and it's a boy. stupid boy? Yeah. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, man. Jerry would grow to despise his mother, calling her a stubborn, selfish egotist. Mm. Okay. He would also be heard to complain that she never, never wore high heels. Uh, okay. This is going to be a foot fetish episode, folks. Oh. His mother was clearly the dominant figure in the family. His father, Henry, was a short, easily offended man. Maybe (laughs) because he was very short, they can get real mad sometimes. Yeah. He struggled to support his family, but it also kind of sounded like he didn't try very hard. Mm-hmm. It's only a family of four. Come on, get your shit together, Henry. Henry? <laughs> Henry would move the family 12 times during Jerry's Fuck. childhood. So yeah, you're just, and like all over the country too. Like this isn't just all over Oregon. He was born in like okay. Iowa or something. I forgot. Webster, South Dakota. Same difference. <laughs> Hi, South Dakota. Do we have any listeners there? They usually lived on a farm where Henry would fuck around but could never make it profitable, so he'd also have a full-time town job, whatever. I thought you meant with animals. No. Ew, no. There is Just no say. animal fucking okay. in this one. Okay, good. Which, if there is a Hannah Bingo, that would be one of the squares. <laughs> For a podcast. <laughs> a Hannah Bingo, or are we talking the trilogy? 
the not trilogy the i was like star wars <laughs> no the trinity what is it called the it's a mcdonald's oh the mcdonald's try i'm just thinking triad <laughs> thank you bingo for everything that each of us mentions during a podcast oh oh oh, oh yeah totally i have definitely brought up a number of animal fucking oh. and i won't stop <laughs> Okay. No, because the sickos start with animal torture. Yeah, yeah, it just, it keeps coming up. Yeah. All right. Eileen did not care for Jerry, and Henry was just at work or whatever. So Jerry was five. He was able to roam freely, just kind of take care of himself. Somehow he found himself at a dump. I don't know why. Just going through all the trash, because fun. So anyway, five-year-old at the dump, kind of hated, but whatever. Jerry found a very nice pair of shoes that caught his eye, and they were shiny, padded leather. Red bottoms? Uh, no. And then also, why are they at the dump? Yeah. Well, they were shiny, padded leather, open toes, open heels, ankle straps, and a rhinestone buckle. Oh, my. But only one had the buckle. The other one had lost the buckle, so maybe that's why they were at the dump. Oh, poor shoes. Wah, wah. <laughs> well, Jerry brought them home, so they weren't going to be alone. It will not get better for the shoes. But Jerry, <laughs> oh. did, Jerry did bring them home, and he put them on, and he kind of like sashayed around the living room, probably mostly as a joke, like maybe trying to make his parents laugh or something. Eileen did not laugh. Eileen fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she just like screamed at him that he was a wicked little boy and ordering him to take those shoes back back to the dump where they came from. Jerry didn't understand why she was so mad because the shoes were just someone's trash. It's not even like he stole them. He just kind of found them. Yeah. So instead he kept them. But when he was caught for a second time, Eileen got rid of the shoes for good by burning them. Oh. Shoes last dance. Oh. Goodbye shoes. Goodbye shoes. Well, goodbye shoes left an indelible mark on Jerry. In first grade, he had a pretty lady teacher who always wore high heels. Oh. And she always had two pairs. Like, she had a spare pair in the classroom and she needed to swap them out for a hot date or whatever. And so Jerry was able to steal the pair that were not on her feet. It wasn't that good of a <laughs> Well, thing. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of stealing it off her feet. Could have been weirder. And then one of his classmates narked on him. Oh. And so he had to give the shoes back. And the teacher was more like just confused like and she was like why on earth would you want my shoes jerome yeah buddy buddy why well jerry already been yelled about shoes so he did not answer and just ran out of the room okay he was a very sickly child measles recurring sore throats swollen glands pick your favorite gland laryngitis okay as an adult, he remembered having a number of toe and finger operations, probably to treat fungal infections. Maybe he picked it up at the dump. He also had two operations on his leg for, as what Jerry would describe as, quote, the veins were ballooning and I had to have the operations because they were not doing their job. Like varicose veins? Yeah, but he's like a kid. Yeah, he's walking around weird. in heels. Well. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, on a- they make you look cute, but they ruin they, your legs. They do. He also had terrible migraines, which he would suffer from these migraines for the rest of, for like all of his life. Okay. The rest of this stuff kind of went away. I think he got rid of the fungus. Speaking of, how's your toe? It's oh. still fungal. Oh, Fungusy. No. We talked about Aww. it on Plans Are Optional, actually. <laughs> Great. Oh, 
Folks, we did talk about a foot fetish on plans are optional because it had the, on the mind on Monday, so. Sure. Did that guy comment on your picture with wobbles? My feet They were kind of cropped out of it. They were kind like, of oh, cropped out of it. On too, and I even socks on, so. I thought you were playing it safe. I was playing it safe. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm missing something. Are you selling foot pics? No. No, but I fucking <laughs> should be. I have gorgeous ankles. They're very prone to rolling. They're so slender. They are too slender, which is why I have a hard time wearing high heels. Jerry would hate me. <laughs> anyway, all the sickness affected his schooling. So he he was in and out. So he struggled along in school doing mediocre. Eh, whatever. Of course, Larry got straight A's, but whatever. It was obviously their mother's favorite boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the brothers actually seemed to get along, which was really nice. Okay. Hmm. And in their early 20s, Larry would advise Jerry to just, like, give up on Eileen. And he said, quote, she will never treat you well. She never has, and she never will. Which sounds harsh, but Jerry was actually being very sympathetic and just being like, you just gotta move on, dude. Yeah, fair. Do something else. Like, it's whatever. Yeah. All right, we're past first grade. Still pre-puberty, though. The Brudos family had company over, and the company had a teenage daughter who went to go take a nap. And Jerry snuck into the room where she was sleeping. And for some reason, she was asleep, but she was still wearing her high-heeled shoes. That's weird. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, this is Jerry's first attempt to try to pry them off a foot. Oh, Um, She woke up, and she told him to get out. Okay. All right. Now we have 16-year-old Jerry. What rite of passage do you think happens now? Virginity. No. <laughs> this, this stupid, dorky, fungal motherfucker is not losing his virginity in high school. Neither did I, but it wasn't because I was fungus He had his first wet dream. Oh, Oh, no. And I have to say, I've never really thought that much about wet dreams. But now that I do, it seems really fucking inconvenient. Yeah. I would think so. What the fuck, man? Like, like, again? And you just wash your sheets again? Does it even feel good to have a wet dream? Male listeners, we don't have any, but male listeners, let me know. Is a a wet dream pleasurable? Or do you just wake up kind of damp? Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, Eileen also found it inconvenient, and so she yelled at Jerry when she found the stained sheets, forced him to wash the sheets by hand, and then Jerry had to sleep without sheets for a night as the sheets had to dry, so. He only had one pair of fucking sheets? Apparently. Mm. What if he has another one while there's no sheets on the bed? Yeah. Yeah. Then he's ruining the the mattress. The mattress, man. Mm. At this point, Jerry had also started stealing his neighbor's underwear and shoes, mostly from off, like, clothing lines like laundry drying out oh i got almost all this information from an Anne rule book called the lust killer so yeah and so Anne rule said that it was interesting that jerry never stole stole his mother's clothing but it seems pretty obvious to me he fucking yeah. hated her yeah and, and she never wore high heels she was just a giant bitch to him like i see why he didn't want her clothes Anne. yeah not that surprising uh not that surprising Okay, late summer of 1955, Jerry was just a weird stew of adolescents who both hated women, but also desired them. So he decided to step up from just stealing underwear. So Uh there was an 18-year-old girl in the neighborhood who he had stolen from before, like laundry and stuff. Uh Jerry approached this girl and told her that 
he could help her get her things back. He had been working with the police on the case. Little uh, junior detective. Okay. Jerry wow. just seemed like a 16-year-old lump of nothing. So, and she did want her underwear and shoes back because she had bought them herself. So she just kind of played along with Jerry. And so Jerry invited her to his home on a night when he knew everyone else in the family would be gone. Uh, she would knock on the front door. Jerry called from upstairs, just telling her to, Oh yeah, I'm up here. Just come on in. Whatever. The door's unlocked. She walked up the stairs. She entered into this dim room, and she did not see Jerry at first. And then all of a sudden, a man wearing a mask just jumped out at her, waved a large knife at her, and then pressed it to her throat. Oh. And, mm-hmm. and he told her, Take off your clothes, or I'll cut you. Do it. Obviously, it was Jerry, but he did have a knife. So she took yeah. her clothes off. And then Jerry brought out a camera, directed her to strike various poses, and took pictures. And then when the roll of film was finished, this masked man walked out of the bedroom. So this the girl threw her clothes back on, was heading out the door, and then she ran into Jerry, maskless this time, like pretending to be like breathing really heavily. And he was like, oh my god, hey, are you okay? I was out in the barn, and someone came along. I couldn't see who it was, and they locked me in. I just managed to break out. Did you see anyone around here? Uh, okay. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you fuck. Yeah, you. Bye. Dude. Yeah. Jerry. Dumbass. The girl was embarrassed and didn't go to the police at first, but would eventually tell them, quote, I knew who it was all the time. Oh. Yeah. I wasn't fooled by that mask and his phony story about being locked in the barn. But I was afraid of him. I was scared if I told he would find out and he would kill me. I also yeah. do not think she got her things back. No, it doesn't nope. sound like it. Well, speaking about Larry's virginity, no one wanted to date Larry because he was tall, overweight, awkward, covered in acne, and fungus. <laughs> fungus boy. We can just not forget about the fungus. Oh, man. I'm also tall, awkward, with not fungus. Not covered in fungus. <laughs> not covered in fungus. It's in one location. <laughs> So, in April 1965, Jerry finally managed to lure a 17-year-old girl into his car on a ruse. And so she had agreed to just a short ride and was confused when Jerry started to talk like they were on a date or something. Oh. Ew. Yeah. He drove out of town to a deserted farmhouse where he then dragged her out of the car and began to beat her and pull at her clothes trying to get her naked. Luckily, a couple happened to drive by at just the right moment, and they came up to the deserted farmhouse to break it up. Jerry had several excuses. I almost said Larry. Sorry, Larry. You're fine. <laughs> Larry's like, don't bring me into this. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my B. Well, Jerry's first excuse was, she fell out of the car. She's just hysterical because it scared her. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. His second excuse went like this. Well, actually, well, actually... What happened is that some weirdo attacked her. I came driving by and I stopped to help. She was fighting him off when I came up and he took off through the fields over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, fucking right. The couple insisted on taking Jerry and the girl back to their house where they called the police. Good job. God. <laughs> Jerry. All right, Jerry Brudos was arrested for assault and battery. And then when investigators searched Jerry's room, they found his cache of shoes, bras, underwear, photographs, 
that's when they knew about the other girl that he took the pictures of and went to talk to her. She was like, oh, yeah, he was weird and stupid, Mm -hmm. but he had a knife. So Jerry was committed to Oregon State Hospital for evaluation and treatment in the spring of 1956. Okay. It wasn't really clear what was wrong with Jerry. The first diagnosis was adjustment reaction of adolescence with sexual deviation, comma, fetishism. Almost nothing, it seems like, but okay. He wasn't a full-time patient at the mental hospital and would attend North Salem High School during the day, where he made absolutely not one single impression on anyone there. No one remembered him. To the point (laughs) where years later, one of his defense attorneys would realize that he had been in the same homeroom as Jerry. Oh. But could remember nothing else about him and didn't remember it for a long fucking time having oh. talking to Jerry. He was just no. a fucking nothing doll lump. Oh. They came up with that second diagnosis of borderline schizophrenic reaction, which is basically just a catch-all diagnosis for yeah. what couldn't really be diagnosed, especially back then. Skooski. Uh-huh. Aha. Jerry stayed at the hospital for eight or nine months. In the end, the staff at Oregon State Hospital had determined that Jerry Brudos was not that far removed from normal. Uh. A bit immature, overly shy, and given to telling tall tales, but not particularly dangerous. When he was released, he was advised to, quote, grow up. (laughs) Stop being so awkward. Just do it. Can you just fucking stop being so weird? God. We don't even want you here. You're so fucking weird. All right. Post high school, Jerry joined the U.S. Army. He was very good at electronics. And he wasn't actually stupid. He was fairly intelligent. You just couldn't tell from his schooling because he was out so much. Um, And he's doing pretty good in the Army and doing advanced training in the Signal Corps. He also may have started hallucinating about a Korean girl who would sneak into his bunk and try to seduce him. And then Jerry would fight her off. And at First, Jerry wondered why none of his bunkmates noticed this commotion that was happening every night before deciding that it wasn't a real woman. It was just a really vivid dream. Okay. Okay. Jerry had enough self-awareness to be worried that he hated this dream woman so much that he wanted to beat and kill her. So he went to the army chaplain who said this is beyond God and forwarded him to the staff psychiatrist. Okay. And then Jerry was determined to be unfit for service and discharged on October 15th, 1959. Okay. So, 20-year-old Jerry moved back in with his parents to their two-bedroom house in Corvallis, Oregon. There we are again. I know. (laughs) Corvallis. Corvallis sounds like it should be in Minnesota. So, two-bedroom house. One bedroom was for his parents. The other bedroom was for Larry, who was also living with his parents, even though he was a model son. I don't know. Anyway, Jerry lived in the shed. <laughs> Great. I was just like, no, I can't have you in here. No. What if someone comes over and sees you? All right. So he was in Salem, Oregon one day when he spotted a pretty young woman and started following her. She didn't realize that Jerry was following her until they both walked into her apartment building's lobby. She opened her mouth to scream, but Jerry just closed his hands around her neck and choked her until she fell down, semi-conscious. He stole her shoes and ran off. And this is only the first time that this would happen. Two different women, not the same woman. But he would find some pretty woman that caught his eye, follow her around, probably some shoe that caught his eye, followed him around, choked them out till they passed out, and then stole their shoes. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
At this point, Jerry was described as a big guy, six feet tall and 180 pounds, which as someone who is 5'11 and 160 doesn't seem that bad, but he does get bigger later on. But like six, I don't know. Doesn't seem that big. He'll fill out. He'll fill out. He will fill out, but he's still getting any taller. I don't know. And Rule is probably short. I think she is. He got his FCC license and got a job as an engineer at a Corvallis radio station. He's super good at electronics. He was a virgin and he really wanted to get a girlfriend. Specifically. He really wanted to not. He really wanted to not be. He specifically wanted the perfect girlfriend. Who wore high heels all the time. Who wore high heels all the time. Who would be totally committed to him. (laughs) Would let him sleep in the house. Would let him sleep in the house and would let him sleep with her whenever he wanted to some of those some of those are like yeah sure some of those are like meh (laughs) all right so now jerry's 23 obviously he has no game but there was this young boy who would come in and hang out the radio station and just kind of like hang around jerry who's interested in his job ask him questions kind of be a nuisance but whatever one day jerry asked this young boy if he knew any girls that jerry could date oh what? Okay. You have absolutely no fucking game for acting like a 12-year-old to go find you a girl today. Yeah. Yikes. Well, young boy did. Oh. So like, sure. Doesn't hurt to ask, I guess. And he introduced Jerry to the 17-year-old Darcy Metzler. She was very quiet and shy, but she was pretty, and she dated frequently, which was something Jerry could not say. She grew up with her father being a super strict German man. And so she was pretty submissive. She was too submissive to ever rebel against her father to question authorities in general. But Darcy did not have a great first impression of Jerry. Quote, I probably wouldn't have accepted a date with him at all, except that he asked me to go swimming and I love to swim. Uh, Question, is swimming a good first date activity? No. No. I hate it. I fucking hate... I don't really need to swim overall, and especially on our first date. Blech. I'm a land dweller. Blech. Blech. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, it's like an excuse to be able to just see. You get the to see more of the body, into. I guess. Yeah. I'm just like, you don't need to see more of Jerry. You got it, Darcy. Like, you see it's it. It's not going to get better it's without t- the clothes. No, it's not going to get better. <laughs> Somehow he charmed her, though. And I sound like a bully. I know, but he's an asshole, so we can bully him. It's fine. Okay, all right. That's, I'm getting all of my mean girls, mean girl. like, side out on Jerry, because he deserves it. <laughs> okay. Somehow he did charm her, though, and she said, quote, He was full of fun and full of jokes. I was so shy that I couldn't even get up in school to recite or answer questions, and he seemed so confident. Interesting. Unfounded. Yeah. And during the courtship, Jerry treated Darcy very well and, you know, put her on a pedestal, which she did like, which is, it's nice. Yeah. It's not nice. Don't put me on a pedestal, asshole. I have a lot of feelings. I don't trust anyone that puts me on a pedestal because I do not belong there. Okay. Tough love, Hannah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I need a sort of tough love camp for 17-year-olds and just say no. No. <laughs> no. Because Darcy also misread extreme jealousy as a part of true love. Oh, no. She was a baby. He just yeah. cares so much. I know. And her parents also fucking hated him, which is also a plus. Uh, yeah. Well, the couple decided that if Darcy got pregnant, then her parents would have to let her marry Jerry. Oh, no. Within Shit. six weeks, Darcy was pregnant and the couple oh, was fuck. married. 
She was no fertile. Entrapment. Woo! But they've like entrapped themselves. They like both wanted it. I know. Yeah. Darcy would say, quote, well, my home life was a good one. There was this feeling that getting married would be much better than listening to your parents. Well. <laughs> 17. Come on. Strict dad. I Yeah. From Jerry's point of view, in a very non-romantic description that he probably didn't share with Darcy, he would say, quote, I wanted someone to sleep with and she wanted out of her home. True <laughs> love. Options. So Darcy would describe the marriage as very good at first. And then, as three or four years passed, stranger and stranger. Oh, uh, yeah. Jerry would find jobs easily enough, but couldn't seem to hold on to them. He was described as brilliant yet lazy, which I feel <laughs> like could apply to me. Uh, one of his employers at an electronics firm said, quote, he was the most brilliant electronically oriented mind I've ever seen. There wasn't anything he didn't know about electricity and circuitry, but he just didn't really apply himself. Overall, a Casper Milktoast kind of guy. And uh, Casper Milktoast, side tangent, is a comic strip character who is described as the man who speaks softly and gets hit with a big stick. <laughs> oh. Okay. And an Atlas Obscura article refers to Casper Milktoast as the original snowflake slash cook. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, just like oh, an, right. a, an absolute like yeah. pushover just and doesn't mind it. Absolute pushover, but like I saw some of the comics. They're probably like the twenties or something. They're kind of funny. Like like his hat like flew off onto some grass that said "Do not step on the grass," and he's like, "Well, shucks. I guess I need a new hat anyway." Like they're kind of oh my god, they're kind of funny. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what to say here. What have, what have we learned? He probably was a cuck though. Well, shit. You want to you want to fuck my wife? Yeah, whatever. All right. Well, in seven years, the Brudoses lived in 20 different houses. If I was Darcy, they would have uh, murdered him. Skooski. Uh, yeah, yeah, following in his too dad's much. footsteps. Way too much. But they stayed in Oregon. They just pretty much bounced around between Corvallis, Portland, and Salem. Okay. But okay. 20 different, that's like three houses a year. Yeah, that's, too that's ridiculous. That's insane. Are they not making rent? What's happening? Yeah, they're just skipping rent. <laughs> huh, maybe. It's time to move. We gotta go, folks. <laughs> family they did first and last and then they like got like an extra month in the middle and they're like hey bye oh yeah and then skip out one month of free run that way <laughs> it was like the what did i say 60s probably like do some like check forging pretty easily probably yeah yeah they don't do background checks for those rentals either so like you yeah. could probably yeah. get evicted or be a squatter and then they wouldn't know so they did have a daughter named megan because darcy did get pregnant Despite her parents. <laughs> Such a great Spiteful reason. pregnancy. I'm glad I love my parents, but even if I fucking hated them, I would never get pregnant despite them. <laughs> there are like, other well, ways. I to... hate you. Let me ruin my own life. Yeah, right? <laughs> Darcy. Darcy should have got a tattoo instead. Oh, Darcy, you really should have. Jerry was very distant with Megan. Eh, whatever. Who cares? Probably for the best. Um, He had house rules. The number one rule was no clothes in the house. Ew. What? Ew. I hate. That is not okay. For everyone, even his kid? Maybe not his kid, but like he and Darcy were home. There was no clothes in the house. It was a very sticky couch. Ew. Ew. The like sound of skin peeling oh, off. God, of like a leather oh. couch. Darcy did put a stop to this once Megan became a toddler. Okay. Too good. And although Darcy was very uncomfortable with it, Jerry insisted on taking nude photographs of her. Ew. 
which would come back to haunt her when these photos became police evidence and were shown in court. Oh. Mm. And one of his weirdest poses, which was uh, Darcy naked on Megan's tricycle with her breast flopped over the handlebars. No. And Jerry also wanted Darcy to wear high heels at all times, even when she was just doing housework. Uh, no. Darcy told Jerry that they made her back hurt and aggravated her bad knee. Yeah. And then after telling him this and not wearing high heels at all times, Jerry became depressed. (laughs) Poor fucking you. Yeah. He very easily became depressed over very small things. If he actually had depression, I do understand because very little things have set me off. But I don't think he- Like having to buy a new hat. Like having to buy a hat or my car not starting on my fucking birthday. Yeah. I mean, that's rough. I, yeah. Not being able to go somewhere when you like want to treat yourself on your birthday. Yeah. That's a big deal though. Okay. Well, I don't know if Jerry was actually depressed or just a weird- He was just like, oh, she's not listening to me 100%. Woe is me. Yeah. Melancholy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pity party. Pity party. In 1967, his migraines were getting worse and worse. He started to experience blackouts. He uh, self-medicated his depression by stealing underwear and shoes again, especially mm. when he felt like Darcy didn't love him enough. Oh, Lord. Which was probably Look a, what you made a me lot. Do. I know. Darcy got pregnant for the second time. No. Jerry was quite enthusiastic and was also sure that it was going to be a son. He wanted to be right there in the delivery room for the whole thing. This was the 60s. I guess husbands... Yeah, that was kind of not done no. back then, I feel like. Yeah. Husbands to go. Nowadays, it's like, hell yeah, but now. Husbands are going now, but like... Well, to be honest, as the only one who's had a child so far, I would suggest having your husband not in the room. Yeah, your husband seemed to have caused a bunch of trouble. He was not helpful, like, whatsoever. He was a deterrent to the task at hand. Yeah, we can't get distracted by your issues, sir. There's a baby here. I've read a lot of the horror stories of just, like, the husband or, or father basically just, like, freaking out the whole time. Yeah. And, like, thinking something's going wrong when it's like, no, sir, you just... You need to breathe too. Like, sit yeah. down over there. Stay, stay. Put. Or get out of the room because <laughs> you're freaking out. It's and helping me not freak yeah. out. No, I literally was like, like pushing, and I look over and I'm like, oh, dude, you gotta breathe because he was like holding his breath. <laughs> oh. And then I'm like, do like me, <laughs> right? Oh, no. you're like, like, for fuck's sakes, I shouldn't have to do this right now. Anyway, we don't have time for male panic in the delivery room. <laughs> no. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Well, the doctors did keep him out day of. Oh, good job. Darcy had asked them to. He did not know that at the time, but... Okay. The doctors kept him out of the room. All right. He did have a son. They named Jason. But he was grievously hurt by Darcy's betrayal. Because she did tell him, oh, yeah, I did. Later. I did tell the doctors that. And Jerry said, why? You told me I could be there. And Darcy said something weird, and she said, I didn't want you to watch another man play with me. I didn't think Ew. it was right. What the fuck? That's not what happens. N- no. No. What in- 60s. Uh. She didn't want him to ask for the extra stitch. Oh, God. Yeah. 60s. Because they did that back then, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anywho, shortly after this 
turn of events, Jerry saw a beautiful girl in Portland. But instead of knocking her out and stealing her shoes, he decided to follow her home instead this time. Oh no. no. And then he snuck in when he was sure that she was asleep. And so his original intention was only to steal the shoes with, you know, just kind of upping the level of excitement. Sure. But she woke up while Jerry was in there. And so Jerry choked her until she was unconscious. Unconscious. Unconscious? Unconscious. Help me. Third one. (laughs) Unconscious. Nope. (laughs) She was knocked out, folks. This is the first time that Jerry would rape someone. He would also remember to grab a pair of shoes on the way out. He also had a near-death experience that unfortunately wasn't a full-death experience. Yeah. He was very cautious and knowledgeable about safety precautions and whatnot, but he somehow managed to electrocute the fuck out of himself somehow. Dang. That is one of my fears. I really don't like being shocked. Oh, but when I was, like, having to, like, jump my car all the time, I was was just like, I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna die here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I haven't died yet, but... Luckily, you didn't. Well, yeah. like, still got a lifetime to go, folks. All right. So the family had moved to Salem in 1965. We're going to go back in time a little bit. I wrote this dumb. It took a while for Jerry to find a new job. What with all the migraines? He also had a post-electrocution neck injury. Ooh. He did pay a lot of attention to his son while completely ignoring his daughter, which was, eh, but... 60s. Yeah. Yeah. He started to gain a lot of weight and... When Darcy mentioned mentioned it to him one day, uh, yeah, well, Jerry grunted and walked out of the room. When he came back, he was squeezed into a woman's bra, a girdle, stockings with garters, and pointy-toed high-heeled shoes. Wow. I just kind of like stood there. I'll show like, you, bitch. Pers- yeah. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. I might be big, but I'm prettier than you. Well, yes. Yeah, what the fuck? Darcy did not know how to react, so she just kind of gave a nervous laugh. Ha, ha. Okay. <laughs> After an awkward silence, Jerry left the room again. And when he came back... No words? No words. Oh, When fuck. he came back, he was back in his regular clothes and they never spoke of it again. I mean, that's one way to... Yeah. Yeah. Like, assert dominance? Question mark? <laughs> I don't know what he asserted with that. Darcy did wonder where he had gotten the girdle and the bra. Yeah. But she didn't ask because she didn't want to make him angry or depressed. She didn't want to know. She really didn't want to know either. Like, oh. <laughs> this new house, though, was perfect for Jerry. There was an attic for storage and a garage with a workshop that was connected to the main house by a breezeway. So Jerry would tell Darcy that the garage was his place, his man cave. Off limits. Uh. She had to stay out unless he gave permission. And to make doubly sure, he put a big padlock on the garage door. Red flag. hmm Mm-hmm. And the like, the freezer was out in the garage, so Darcy complained a little bit about this, and Jerry just said, "Just tell me what you want for supper, and I'll get it out of the freezer for you. I don't want you butting into my dark room when I'm working. You'll ruin everything if you do." Oh, because the f- he was a photographer. He did make it into okay. a dark room and other things. I mean, if you're developing film, you need it is a sensitive. It process. is a sensitive process, but I also just want some. Give me those. Can I just get. Isn't that what that red light is for? Yeah. Like, so it had to be locked the all the time. On. Yeah. And in the attic, he used for storing all the shoes and bras and underwear that he had been stealing this whole time. Jesus. And he kept Darcy out of the attic by telling her that he'd seen mice and rats up there, and she was very afraid of rodents. Okay. But he would spend time up in the attic putting on clothes. <laughs> 
try them on and I'm off again. I'm setting mouse trap. I know. I have a mouse honey trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he would spend time in the attic trying on these clothes, which led me down a, a little bit of a Google hole where I, I had to ask if women could cross-dress nowadays. If women can cross-dress? Nowadays, because... Like if they wore a tuxedo Like or pants something? and everything yeah. are totally acceptable now. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. When I asked, I mean, when I asked Google, though, the autofill was, do women have a prostate? <laughs> they definitely don't. No. Nope. No, we do not. Google. Oh, dear. <laughs> Google. I did spend some time on this, and it, cross-dressing is officially, like, dressing as the opposite sex in a attempt to, like, fool the people looking at you or whatever, like... So just wear just wearing a pair of pants to work like I did today is not cross dressing. Yeah. Okay. But like if you I don't know wore your hair really short and then like did the makeup thing where you make it look like you have a beard. Yeah, that would that would do it. Like a Halloween costume. I don't know. I still it still seems like men are more often accused of cross dressing, and I found this yeah. interesting. Someone said it's because men's clothes are non-gendered so seeing a woman in pants is like whatever whereas women's clothes still have are the only thing that are actually gendered as female so it Mm -hmm. it looks surprising to see on a male because we we've non-gendered the male clothing but we still keep the female clothing separate okay yeah fair so yes women can cross-dress by this point jerry had loosened his grip on darcy a bit though he could probably sense that she no longer wanted to have sex with him (laughs) Even though she didn't usually refuse his sexual advances, she just wasn't into it. Before, he had wanted to keep her in the house as much as possible, but now he let her loose and she would spend uh, about four days a week at a friend's house or her sister's house or whatever. She got the fuck out of the house. Did she take the kids? I believe she took the kids. Okay. Or they had like, Jerry's mother would babysit too. Okay. Oh, Eileen? Mm Mm-hmm. She loved grandchildren. The grandkids? Yeah. Just not Jerry. Okay. Well, okay. However, he had very specific rules that, quote, you call me before you come home. I like to have some warning who's going to pop in on me. Uh, live here. That's not popping in when you live there. Nope. <laughs> Jesse's like, I'm your wife? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he would also call at her sister's or her friend's or wherever she was at to check on her, see what she was doing, blah 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 And then Darcy said, quote, Once I asked him why he was always checking on me, why I couldn't come back to the house without calling first. He made a joke of it. He said he wanted to be sure he got the blonde out of the house before I got there. As if a blonde would be with him. A dead one might. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but yes, he made it into a cheating joke when it was way more than that. Okay, oh, not, not funny time. No, I knew we were getting to the murders. January 26, 1967. Linda Slauson, 19, was a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman, which sounds awful. Boring. Heavy. You gotta at least bring one encyclopedia to show the goods. She was in the neighborhood to follow up on a lead. It was Oregon, so of course it was raining. And so when she pulled, like, the sheet of paper out of her pocket that had the address on it, some rain got on it, the address got a little smeared. So she was kind of... Lost. A little lost, kind of walking around, seeing if she could Mm -hmm. see what it was. And she saw Jerry standing in his yard, and he waved at her like he was expecting her. So she she came over, and Jerry was like, ah, yes, I love encyclopedias. Totally. So Jerry snuck her into the basement of the house while his mother, Eileen, and his daughter were upstairs, completely oblivious. (sighs) 
Where was Jason? I don't know. Maybe with Darcy wasn't there. So maybe with Darcy. Jerry then knocked Linda out by hitting her in the head from behind with a plank of wood and then strangling her. Mm. He wanted time with the body, so he sent his mother and daughter away, telling them to go out to dinner with very specific instructions. Quote, I want a double cheeseburger. You get what you want for you two. Stay there and eat yours, and then order mine when you're ready to come home. No hurry. Knock on the floor when you get back. The floor? Oh, because he's, he in, the, he's in, the in the basement. basement. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, they left, and Jerry scampered back down to the basement. But, like, mm. just as soon as he got down there, there were footsteps upstairs again. So he had to go right back up upstairs, and what he saw was his friend Ned Rawls, who Jerry had given his house key to for some reason. Okay. Ned wanted a chat, but Jerry quickly dispensed with small talk and told Ned that he was busy making nitroglycerin in his basement. (laughs) (laughs) Now's not a good time, Ned. Ned left. Ned, what the fuck? Does he do this often? Why would you just let that slide? And Ned should have gone immediately to the police department. I know. He's making nitroglycerin in his basement, except it's worse. Yeah. Oh, God. Ned, I just have so many questions for Ned. Because he's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll come back later. That's like, cool. Give me some when you're done. Oh, have fun. Stay safe, buddy. And just like (laughs) bumbled out back to his house. I don't know. What the fuck, Ned? All right. So Jerry was back down into his basement looking at the body. He probably would not have followed her if he had seen her in the city or something. Mm -hmm. Because she had short hair and was dressed plainly, according to Jerry. But... She had basically fallen right into his hands, so, you know, whatever. She had surprised him, though, by wearing a nice red pair of panties. Oh. This was super unplanned, spur of the moment. So he was kicking himself because he didn't currently have film in his camera. <laughs> Regardless, he spent the night... Got his whole setup, though, I thought. I know, you're a fucking photographer. So he spent the night dressing the body in all the underclothes and shoes that he had stolen without getting any pictures. And then as morning approached, he used a hacksaw to cut off her left foot, which he put in the freezer and would keep for a bit longer to use to model his shoe collection. Oh, no. And he disposed of her body by tying it to an engine block and dropping the bundle off a bridge into the Willamette River. Oh. So when was that? That was January 26th. November 26th, 1968. Okay. Jan Susan Whitney, 23, was finishing up her degree at the University of Oregon. She had picked up two young male hitchhikers, but they didn't get very far before her car broke down. Jerry happened to be driving by, so he picked up the group, dropped the men off by an on-ramp so they could hitch another ride, and drove Jan back to his house under the impression that he was going to pick up his tools and then go back and fix her car. So leave her at her car. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go to a second location. No. When they started, there were the two other men there. Yeah, but still, they were hitchhikers. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But... When they got home, Jerry, like, play-acted, would pretend that he had forgot his keys and his wife wasn't home. They're gonna have to wait a little bit. Sorry. Oh, no. Car's in the garage. Garage is locked. Yeah, and, like, well, let's wait in the car. Totally fine. Jan was sitting in the front of the car, and Jerry slid in directly behind her in the back seat. Red flag. And then he said, quote, I said it was a funny thing to ask someone to close 
their eyes and then try to explain how to tie a shoe. And so Jan like closed her eyes to start oh. trying to explain how to, how to like tie a shoe. And while she was trying to explain that, Jerry took out a leather strap and slipped it over her head and used it to strangle Jan. What? What? Why would he? I don't get it. Why was he having her explain that to distract her and to get her to close her eyes? Because now she was really. So it's just like, hey, this is so weird. But can you do this for me, really well, quick? She's like, yeah, it's really hard to do this. Let's see if you can do it. Whatever. Like maybe a little bit of a challenge too. Oh, I see. Of like, uh, okay. Yeah. Got and it. Then she, Conversationally weird. Yeah, she was focused on that. And there's a detour into necrophilia. Of course. Uh, uh. All right. He also had a hook in his workshop, and so he also hoisted the body on the hook so that he could play dress up with it. His camera had film this time, and there was a bit more necrophilia. Oh, no. And then one of the weirdest things I have heard so far... So that, that's a lot. But cons- Yeah. <laughs> we heard the story, necrophilia and all of that, and, and cannibalism and stuff, of like dudes showing up on the internet to have parts of their body cut off and fed to them. Uh, that so, was yeah, a great yeah. story. If this is weirder than that. That was a great story. Episode one, listeners. There's a lot of complex issues at play there. But this one, not so much. I will say this is a prerequisite slash content warning for my eventual Ed Gein episode I'll do later this year. Yeah. So Jerry's thing, he cut off one of her breasts and tried to make a paperweight with it. What? What? And at first I thought the breast is the paperweight, but he cut it off and then tried to make a mold of it with some kind of plastic epoxy. And then he was going to pour lead or something into the mold and that would be the paperweight. Why? A boob? A boob. Yeah. A boob weight. Yeah. So... Well, it didn't, it didn't work very well, but uh, I feel like because once you dismember it, it's not going to hold its shape. Yeah. Well, he did stuff it and kind of nail it out uh, onto a um, piece of wood oh. first and then made the mold. That's so fucked. It's super fucked. In between all this activity, Thanksgiving. No way. Way. Oh my God. <laughs> so Jerry took his family to Portland to visit friends and family for the holiday. Oh. While they were gone. A car crashed into the Brutos Garage workshop. No, oh, no way. Punching a hole in the exterior wall. The police could not get into the garage because it was all locked up. So they left a note. Um, <laughs> and as oh Jerry would God. say, quote, they never suspected anything. And there's this wide open hole there. If they just showed a light in, they maybe could have seen her hanging there. Oh, my God. They didn't do that. So Jerry got... Back from Thanksgiving, saw the note. He moved the body out to the pump house on his property. Responded to the note. The police came. They checked everything out. It was fine, whatever. And then Jerry disposed of Jan's body by tying her body to a piece of railroad iron and throwing that into the Willamette River, along with Linda's Lawson's foot, which he had had for eleven months. Oh, oh my God. Was it, like, in the freezer or something? Yeah, he kept it in the freezer, but it was in the freezer okay. in the garage when he called the police, responded to that note. Oh. He left it there. Because he's like, the police won't need to look in my freezer. They don't freezer. need to look in your freezer, I guess. And they didn't. Oh. Jeez. Okay. That was lucky. Not for two more women. I mean, oh, no. lucky for him, not that he needs any luck. Bonkers lucky for him. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. Jeez. Now, March 27th, 1969. Karen Sp- 
Sprinker, who I just, in the nick of time, realized I have been writing as Sprinkler this whole time. It's Sprinker. Okay. She was 18 or maybe 19. I've seen it both ways. Okay. She was a freshman pre-med student at Oregon State University in Corvallis, but she was visiting her parents in Salem. Seems like spring break, March 27th. Yeah. Karen was going to meet her mother for lunch at a restaurant in the Meyer and Frank department store. Sounds like Hmm. a weird place to go to lunch, but she she never arrived. And Karen's mom would call the police because Karen was a very dependable, on time, you know, good girl, whatever. There was a parking garage attached to the Meyer and Frank department store, and they found Karen's car there parked, looking normal. Yeah. So what had happened is Jerry had grabbed Karen in the parking garage, telling her, don't scream and I won't hurt you. Come with me and I won't hurt you. Mm -hmm. So Karen told Jerry that she would do whatever he wanted as long as he didn't shoot her. He may have had a toy gun at this point as well. Jerry drove her to his house, deposited her in the garage slash workshop, and raped her. While she was still alive this time, Jerry made her try on his collection of undergarments and shoes and pose while he photographed her. He then murdered Karen by wrapping a rope around her neck and attaching it to a come-along winch, which is one of those, like, crank ones. Just Google Mm -hmm. it. And Jerry said, I asked if it was too tight, and she said it was. So he cranked it again, and she died. Oh, my God. Necrophilia. Then he went to the house to be with his family. Came back to the garage. More necrophilia. Oh, God. This time he cut off both of her breasts and attempted to make paperweights. What the fuck? They turned out a little better. And um, he didn't get rid of the paperweights. <sighs> Jesus. He kept the paperweights that he tried okay. to make. In the garage. <laughs> what, how, what kind of paper does he think he's going to hold Not down? in the garage, my friend. On the mantle in the living room. No. No. Yes. And Darcy's just like, huh, nice art, babe. Basically, she's like, what's this? And I forget what Jerry's excuse was. Because, like, Darcy had also found some, like, photographs of, like, women in underwear and also Jerry in underwear. And Jerry was just like, oh, I'm just developing. I thought you were going to say Jerry in something else. And I was going to be really upset. No, and I'm leaving out something that I'm not going to say. But he would just tell Darcy, like, oh, I'm just developing photos for this college class, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Darcy's like, okay, uh uh-huh, sure. That's like willful negligence. Yeah. I feel bad for Darcy. Yeah. But she clearly did not want to know. She clearly did not want to know. Yeah. She had two kids with him, but she also, her family was still there. She could have left. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely was just like, no, 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 no. This isn't my life. Nope. I'm going to go spend four days a week at someone else's house. Yeah. And so Jerry would dispose of Karen's body that night, tying it to a cylinder head of a car engine and dropping it in the Long Tom River, which is a tributary of the Willamette River. Okay. Mm. All right. So that was March 27th, April 21st, 1969. Sharon Wood, 24. Escalation. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The time is getting shorter. She was a secretary in the Portland State History Department. And Jerry was lurking in the Portland State University parking garage with a toy gun. Sharon left work a little early that day because she had a meeting with her soon-to-be ex-husband regarding their divorce. And in the parking garage, she had that gut feeling that she was in danger. Mm -hmm. And then Jerry tapped her on the shoulder, showed her the gun, and said, If you don't scream, I won't shoot you. Sharon fucking screamed. 
Good girl. And fought and tried to bite his thumb off. And I just gotta say, as a 24-year-old going on the way to get a divorce, fucking mess with a woman on her way to her fucking divorce. She does not have time for your bullshit. She's like another man. Another man? Over great. What's the fuck with me today? I'm just not fucking gonna do it. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I have enough on my plate. And she had like two kids too. Like I didn't have any kids. I just had a husband I didn't like. <laughs> I I respect the hell out of Sharon Wood. Yeah, for sure. I, I identify. You picked the wrong day, the motherfucker. Wrong day, motherfucker. <laughs> I am not going to be like bossed around by men again. I've learned my fucking lesson. Yeah. And Jerry was scared away by a car that was coming up to the next level in the parking garage. So he like left her on the ground. He had enough wherewithal to just kind of walk calmly away so he didn't seem super suspicious. The police came. They investigated. It was an aggravated assault is what they called it. Okay. April 22nd, the next day, there's a 15-year-old junior high school student whom Wikipedia refers to as Gloria Jean Smith, whereas Anne Rule refers to her as Leanne Brumley. Time out. I will say that... Anne Rule has, in other books, changed the name at the request of the family. She does, but... Oh. A lot of books that I read gives a little asterisk that says pseudonym. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. And I didn't see it in this book. So I'm not really sure. I'm going to call her Leanne, I guess, because that's I got most of this from Anne Rule anyway. Okay. Regardless, a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. Junior high. She was walking along the Southern Pacific Railroad tracks heading to school. When Jerry grabbed her by the coat, pulled her between two houses, and showed her mm -hmm. the fake gun, and mm -hmm. said, I want you to come with me. I won't hurt you. Gloria slash Leanne was able to escape from his hold as he was leading her to a car, and so she ran screaming for help to a woman who was working in her yard. Yeah, good girl. Yeah, good girl. This time Jerry did have to run because he needed to get out of there <laughs> before someone wrote down the license plate. Yeah, beat feet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the next day, April 23rd, 1969. Jeez. Third time is the charm. Fuck. This time, he had a fake police badge with him. No. Mm -hmm. And he went to the Lloyd Center Mall to, like, skulk around the parking lot. Linda Salee was 22, athletic, amazing at bowling, apparently. And mm. she had won a Best Smile contest a few years earlier. Oh. I mean, she had just stopped by the mall, and then she was going to go meet up with her boyfriend at a YMCA pool. So she was walking out to her car, her arms, you know, kind of laden down with bags of all her new purchases. Jerry approached her, flashed the badge, and told her that he was taking her into custody for shoplifting, and would have to take her downtown. <laughs> Linda believed he was a policeman. He had the badge. But she did try to convince him that she hadn't stolen anything by showing him that. She's like, here's my receipt. Yeah. 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 Check the receipts. Yeah. But she would give in and she got in his car. Is it a police cruiser? Okay. Nope. Yeah. Red flag then. Yep. During the police interview, the police would say, did she ask questions when you went by downtown Portland and got on the freeway for Salem? Jerry said, no. It was funny. It was like she wanted to go with me. She, uh, no. She didn't say anything at all. She just rode along nicely. And the police responded, you drove with her all the way to Salem? That would have meant she was in the car with you for an hour. Yeah. Oh, That's awful. 
Nowadays, since we have cell phones, listeners, if a police officer Mm. is doing some sketchy shit and doesn't actually have a cruiser, don't get in the car and then you can call and ask if the if the the badge number matches one of their officers on duty. Mm -hmm. And if you can have a second officer come and escort you with that officer. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Safety first. Safety first. Yep. It was the 60s again. People trusted. Oh, did they in the 60s? And there's no cell phone. There's There's no no cell cell phone. phone I think the 60s in Vietnam, we were not trusting the authorities as much. But like, no. Linda was like a good girl. You know, like just, you know, okay. I wasn't going to make a big fuss. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially if she was a good girl, right? Then she's not familiar with police procedures. Well, she also didn't steal anything. She knew she was innocent. Politeness fucking sucks. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. She probably thought when we get where we're going, I'll call my mom and we'll we'll sort this all get cleared up. I have all the receipts. I didn't do anything wrong. It's just some bad mistake. Yeah. All right. When Jerry got home, he tied up Linda Salee, left her in the garage, and went in to have dinner with his family. Mm. Jesus Christ. And then, quote Jerry, funny thing though. When I went back out there to check on her after I ate, she'd gotten loose with the rope. She hadn't tried to leave the shop, and she hadn't even used the phone out there. She was just waiting for me, I guess. Oh my god. What? Girl. She she was frozen. Yeah. Paralyzed with fear. Yeah, she was completely fucking frozen. Poor thing. The switch did flip for Linda when Jerry went to strangle her with a leather strap, and Linda fought back hard. And she was actually the first woman who had really tried to fight back once Jerry like had her in his clutches I had tried to fight back and Jerry fucking hated it saying quote I didn't like her the way she kicked and scratched when I told her not to (laughs) hold still while I do terrible things to you can I just kill you please Jesus fucking Christ so she fought back super hard but Jerry would overcome her and then strangle her Uh, then guess what necrophilia last time begrudgingly though this was begrudging necrophilia because he didn't like her he didn't like her and he also didn't like her body because her breasts were too pink what what i don't have a fucking clue but he didn't like pink he thought there wasn't enough like definition between the areola and the rest of the breast oh but he didn't like them weird well no any thing to hate a weird thing to hate yeah and he hated so much that he didn't even try to make breast paperweights this time even though it was a mold. The pink wouldn't the have shown would, in metal. No, I, well, instead, he hung her body from a hook in the ceiling, stuck her with needles, and tried to make her dance using electricity. He's oh an electronics God. guy. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Oh, my God. It did not work. It just burned her. Aww. And then he disposed of her body on the second night by tying the body to engine parts and dumping it in the Long Tom River. That was April. Okay. May 1969. There were some fishermen out there uh, fishing the Long Tom River who found the bodies of Linda Saley and Kevin Sprinker. Karen. My God. All right. Yes. Karen Sprinkler. Well, I was really, I wrote it as Sprinkler here. So I was trying to say Sprinker and I said Kevin. All right. The bodies of Linda Saley <laughs> and Karen Sprinkler were found by these fishermen on the Long Tom River. Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, Sprinkler. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> <laughs> the bodies of Linda Seeley and Karen Sprinker were found Yay. by fishermen on the Long Tom River. Holy balls. All right. So two bodies had been discovered. It was in the news. It didn't affect Jerry that much. He had designed a new way to hunt. So 
Instead of lurking in the parking lot, he would cold call college dorms and ask for a common name. Like, is Mary there? Lisa there? Mm. Whatever. Mm. And common name, someone would always come to the phone and then Jerry would pretend that a friend had given him her name. Most of them wanted to know which friend and when he couldn't come up with a name, they would hang up on him. Yeah. But he did manage to get three dates. Oh my God. Saying, quote, Asking them for, how about a Coke and some conversation? Blech. No. Uh, no. That's better than swimming, I guess, but... Yeah, but still. All right. So, the police investigation. Since Karen Sprinker was going to college at Oregon State University, the police sent a task force to do a massive interview campaign of all the women on campus to see if any of them had ended up on some weird dates. My favorite weird date was the guy who wanted to do nothing but have her sit quietly while he played his flute very badly. <laughs> Wait, that was actually someone's story that wasn't related to- He's like, yeah, I did go on a weird date. This guy just wanted me to sit there while he played his flute and he was shit at it. And the police were just like, uh-huh. The police also yeah. heard a lot. <laughs> Not what we're looking for, but sorry you had to go through that. Well, it was weird. It did fit the criteria. Yeah. They also did hear a bit of like, Two aggressive men on these dates? Sure. Of course. But three or four women would report the same experience. Quote, this guy said he'd been a prisoner in Vietnam for three years. Then he started in all this garbage about how he possessed extraordinary powers in ESP. That kind of thing. ESPN. <laughs> not quite. Uh, he's not very sporty. Like he was supposed to be clairvoyant or something. He wanted me to meet him for a coke, but I said no. And so none of these women remembered his name. Or if he had even told them his name. Okay. But this story, Vietnam vet with ESP, one girl did agree to meet with this mystery caller in the lobby of the dorm, mostly because she All felt right. sorry for him. Okay. And like safety, safety first, first. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Uh-huh. He definitely didn't look like what she expected. Uh, quote, he was a lot older than I expected. About 30. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, but... I must be dirt. None of us want to date a college student. No, and also no. people aged differently back then too. Like thirty yeah. back then was like forty now. No, look at look at I feel look like. up Jerry Brudos. He was looking a little rough by that point. He was only thirty. Yeah, he wasn't very good looking. Kind of tubby, and he was losing his hair. I mean, he wasn't exactly a knight on a white horse or anything. And they just, you know, they had a little conversation in the lobby. Blah blah blah. Kind of normal. Then it took a swerve to the weird. Quote. Well, he put his hand on my shoulder and began to massage it. Ah, uh, no. No touching. No touchy. Like a prison. The dorm lobby is also a no touchy place. And then he said, I don't know how to explain it. He said, be sad. I laughed. What? And said, I didn't feel sad about anything. Then he said, well, think of those two girls they found in the river. Those girls who got killed. That was oh an God. awful thing that happened to them. Uh, yeah. I don't want a victim blame. She's not a victim. She did go to a second location with him for coke and conversation. No! In After his he car. Brought up dead women? Yeah. No. Yeah. Why? Yeah. She survived. It's fine. But anyway. She's wearing flats. If a random first date brings up, well, okay, maybe that, because we would do that. <laughs> I wouldn't say, I wouldn't try to give someone a massage to tell them to be sad while I do it. No, but like if you bring up like, Dead people. Murder victims nearby. Cannibals. Yeah, like, hey, isn't this crazy in this town that blah, blah, blah is happening is one thing. Okay, at least my go-to first date story is in Germany. And I could not have been involved. By this point, 
because he had gotten fatter. He's probably like 230, 240 at this point. I don't think he grew any bigger, but he was very strong too because he could throw these engine parts plus a body over a bridge or whatnot. But he just looked like a yeah. he just looked like a dork. <laughs> and so I don't think like that that first no, girl was just seriously. like yeah, God, you're just a dumbass. Like, can I have my underwear back? And then I'm like, oh, I'm just so sorry for you. The police were intrigued by this girl's story because this description she gave matched very closely with the description that they had received from Gloria slash Leanne. The 15-year-old girl who had escaped from him. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So, the police told the girl that if this man ever contacted her again, set up a date, then call the police, and they would set up a trap. It worked! Oh, no Yay! shit! Uh-huh. Oh. So, now the police had a name. Jerry Brudos. And so, they kind of, they met him in the lobby. He was very calm and collected while the police talked to him. He told them that he was an electrician. He was in Corvallis to help a friend with some yard work, a story that was verified. So, I don't know. And the police had no legal reason to arrest Jerry at this point, so they let him go. And then went back to the police station to see what they could find about Jerry Brutus. And way too many fucking coincidences popped up. And on the basis of that, the police would go to jerry's house to follow up and they didn't have a search warrant or anything but they just kind of talked in the garage the police kind of had to look around jerry was fine with it Did they find his fucking paperweights no yeah no kidding not this time oh. but while they were looking around one of the policemen noticed that these knots that were tied in the ropes seemed familiar like the specific ones that were used to tie bodies to car parts Oh. And Jerry was saw the policeman looking at it, and it was so nonchalant that he even said, oh, yeah, just go ahead. Take that knot if you want it. He wanted it. He did take it. Jeez. Mm. Gloria slash Leanne would pick his photo out of a lineup. Yeah. Good. Police went back to his house on May 28th with a search warrant to search his two vehicles. They were spotless inside and out to the point where they were damp inside. Oh. And Jerry said, quote, Oh, I took it through a 50-cent car wash, and my little boy accidentally rolled down the window. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. All right. May 30th, 1969. The police finally got their arrest warrant for Jerry Brudos, and it was for assault while armed with a dangerous weapon for the attempted kidnapping of Gloria slash Leanne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't have, you know, enough evidence for anything yeah. else, but they definitely had that. She picked him up a lineup. The Brudos family was driving north on I-5 for a trip to Portland when the sirens came on behind them. Oh. Darcy was driving and Jerry was in the back seat trying to hide under a blanket. What? No go for a man his size. <laughs> They're like, um, yeah, we're going to have to take a look underneath this suspiciously lumpy yeah, blanket. Yeah, I see feet. Uh, <laughs> we see you. Yeah, your hair's sticking out, you dumb idiot. If that's not a California king, you're not hiding. <laughs> As he was being taken away, Jerry told Darcy that he's being arrested for carrying a concealed weapon. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. And then at the police station, the police began interviewing Jerry. And they had a good feeling about this one, as Jerry was quite the cocky boy. And the cocky ones are the ones who are more likely to let things slip than the nervous ones. Yeah, because yeah, they're like thinking that they can Oh, and Jerry anyone. thought he was yeah. smarter than them. Nope, that was your brother, Larry. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty smart, though, right? He was right? pretty like he, smart, but, like... The one guy commended him for, like, his... He was very good at electric- yeah. Yeah, electrical things, and he remained very good at that in prison. He could have just been a really good electrician slash 
radio engineer slash computers when they came into things. Like, I do like this conversation. At the beginning of the interview, the police asked, do you want a cigarette? A cup of coffee? And Jerry replied, I don't smoke. I seldom drink either. No bad habits. Oh, for fuck's sakes. None at all. Not a single fucking one. <laughs> wow. It was quite clear to the police during this interrogation that Jerry hated women. Yeah. Except for Darcy. And so the police felt that Jerry actually show was showing like true concern for Darcy when he was talking about her. And it does hmm. seem like she was like the one woman he didn't hate. Yeah. It's very confusing. Jerry was especially comfortable during this interview because he'd already called Darcy and told her to destroy some of the stuff in the garage. A box of women's clothing and a box of photographs. Oh, yeah. Did she? Nope. Good she, job, She um, took the children and went to go stay with her parents instead. Good job. Fortunately, I guess for Jerry, he would confess slash boast of killing four women. Oh, fuck. The four we've talked about. Yeah. Not any four surprises. All right. With all of that, um, they got the search warrant to the house. A thorough search of the house just brought up a shit ton of evidence. Yeah. And even if all of it got thrown out, circumstantial or whatnot, there was one piece of undeniable evidence. And it was a photograph of a woman's body clothed in a black lace slip and underwear with garters hanging from the ceiling. <gasps> oh. Underneath her was a mirror. And the photo was taken with the lens aimed at the mirror so that the photo would be of the woman's reflection from bottom up. So basically oh a cross shot. In the corner of the photo, reflected back in the mirror, was Jerry Brudos himself. Uh-huh. He... Oh, oh, man. Dumbass. Dumbass. <laughs> it was the only photo with Jerry in it. And investigators assumed that he had probably destroyed any other pictures that had him in it. But this one photograph had slipped. Wasn't like super obvious. No, yeah, it slipped down behind one of the workbenches. Oh. And so Jerry oh. probably never thought about it again. Yeah. All right. He's like, oh, don't need that photo. Or he just, he had so many photos. Yeah. yeah. Wow. With the photograph and the four confessions, the only option the defense had was not guilty by reason of insanity. What? Well, I mean, there's not much else on the table there. Uh, however, they could not find one single psychiatrist who would testify that Jerry was insane at the, at the time of the crimes or at the present. Yeah, shot not Good. me. Uh, no, I don't want to be a part of this. And Jerry finally listened to his lawyer's advice and changed his plea to guilty. And okay. there would be no trial. He was charged with the first degree murder of Karen Elena Sprinker, Jan Susan Whitney, and Linda Dawn Saley. He was never charged with the murder of Linda Slauson, the encyclopedia saleswoman, okay. despite his confession, as there was no physical evidence or photographs from that very first murder. Oh, yeah, because he didn't have his camera ready. And, like, they did eventually find Jan's body. Did they find Linda Slauson's body? I'm not actually sure. Also, it was a different um, jurisdiction as well than the other three, so it would have okay. been a completely different trial. It was just like... So he was sentenced to the Oregon State Penitentiary for an indeterminate period of time, the maximum of which is your life, three different times, <laughs> and two of them to run consecutively to the first and to each other. And life in Oregon at the time didn't mean life. Blah. Yeah. This is insane, though. At the time, with good behavior, a lifer could expect to get out in about 12 years. That's what? not life. That's 12? not even close to life. Life is like 25 to 50, depending on your age. I say life is 
Should be anyway. Retirement age, 65. Like if you're, yeah, if you're 65 and like, What's I don't the know, average age that like. On good behavior. A woman or a man, like what's, it's probably like 72 or something. Like 72 let's say you is can have life. your freedom back when you're in your 80s. Let's say you can have your freedom back when you've served the amount of time of an average person's lifespan. When you can't lift an engine anymore. Ugh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jerry did have three consecutive life sentences. So at the very least, he would have to serve 36. 36. But don't worry. He never got out. Oh, thank God. He did attempt many appeals, including one where he had the support of a psychologist that suggested that Brutus had been hypoglycemic and killed the women when he had low blood sugar. <laughs> oh, Diabetic of the world, this doesn't work. There's like a professional psychologist who's like, yeah, this is a real theory. I mean, I know some people who, when they get hypoglycemic, are like, they become assholes. But they don't want to do anything. They just want to sit there and be grumpy. They don't like <laughs> go But I think I'm hypoglycemic. I feel faint. Right. But also, he stopped, would go and get stuff to eat. I know. And they come. It's bullshit. Yeah. Fucker. It didn't work. You can worry a bit, though, because he was allowed to subscribe to women's shoe catalogs during his entire stay in prison because they're not technically pornography, although they are for him. But in this circumstance... I I mean, I guess it's in the... It wasn't specified in the rules or something. He got shoe catalogs. Okay, if you're the warden, you could make... I know. You could be like, this is his pornography. Like, yeah, more like the Australian wardens. So Jerry died in prison on March 28th, 2006 from liver cancer, having been incarcerated for 37 years. And just to wrap the Jerry part up, there was a private investigator that would go talk to Jerry in the prison to try to get more details from him. And he would say, quote, he likes strawberry milkshakes, food pairing. I really want a strawberry milkshake. After I read that, yeah. oh, that sounds so good. But Jerry also really likes strawberry milkshakes. And I'd take them to him to try to get him to talk. I wanted to get at how he really felt. One day I asked him, do you feel some remorse, Jerry? Do you feel sorry for your victims, for the girls who died? There was half a piece of white paper on the table between us, and he picked it up, crumpled it in his fist, and threw the ball of paper on the floor. That much, he said. I care about those girls as much as I care about that piece of wadded up paper. Wow. 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 That's... Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Jerry. So yeah, fuck you, Jerry. We're not done. Oh god. I'm wrapping it up. <laughs> but September 1969, the public did not get the drama of a trial of Jerry Brudos. So they got the next mm-hmm. best thing, the trial of his wife, Darcy Brudos. Oh. oh. So she was charged with first degree murder for aiding and abetting Jerome Brudos in the murder of Karen Sprinker. And she had alibis for the other three murders, but none of her friends could, like, quite remember, you know, where she was when Karen... Like, who remembers all that shit anyway? That's why you get receipts so you know where you were at what time. Every time I go to your house, Sarah, I want a receipt. Hannah was here from this hour to this hour. Signed. (laughs) Darcy was 24 years old when the trial began. Spectators packed the courtroom. Security was beefed up because there had been threats on Darcy's life. I could imagine. Yeah. The physical evidence the prosecution showed, which included those nudes of Darcy herself, were absolutely mortifying to Darcy. Yeah. Mm. The prosecution had brought a flimsy witness who testified that she had seen Darcy help her husband with something that looked like a body wrapped in a tarp. 
Oh, not great. Yeah, it did not hold up in court. It was not true at all. It just seemed like another neighbor woman wanting attention. Sure. And then Darcy also testified in her own defense because the defense lawyers wanted the jury to see Darcy's personality, which was just a quiet, sad, passive, small. And this was worked out well because they were, while she was on the stand, she was also able to testify that she did not destroy those boxes of evidence after Jerry had asked her to. And if she had been a part of it, she probably would have. Valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The jury would find Darcy not guilty. Okay. Good. But she had to go through this whole ordeal and Jerry got away with it completely. Yeah. I mean, I do think that she just kind of looked she the other looked way the a other little way, bit too like, much. She looked the other way, like, way too yeah. much. But, like... Who's to say that if she hadn't, that she wouldn't also, and her kids wouldn't also be in danger? I don't know. Who knows what he's capable bad. I can't just see small, passive, 17-year-old Darcy getting wrapped up in this fucking life. She would divorce Jerry in August 1970. She changed her name and moved her and the kids away. Yeah, no shit. Good call. I have Aquarius characteristics of Jerry Brudos, question mark, that I was going to ask you. But we can also move straight into Mm. foot fetish. I'm down for whatever. Yeah. I feel like Meredith wants to go to sleep, so should we go to the foot fetish? Foot fetish. Jerry did march to the beat of his own drum. Cross-dressing is not bad. And not necessarily an Aquarius thing. Jerry was an asshole. So foot fetish. I had the best day today, guys. She got to write about foot fetishes and necrophilia. No, because I'm no longer a grad student. I've written my goddamn dissertation. Mm -hmm. But I am still employed at a university so i can still use all the um university good stuff like the libraries and so i was able to search academic journals for foot fetish papers no way yeah i see i mean i didn't do a great search because there weren't that many surprisingly and there were even less when i searched podophilia which i thought would have hit better because that's you know more scientific but but anyway, yeah. I read a bunch of papers about foot fetishes today, and I had the best time. So I'm just going to throw out okay. some funness. Okay. <laughs> well, first, what did Sigmund Freud think about the foot fetish? Something dumb. He was pro-foot fetish. Well, he <laughs> considered the foot fetish to be the common response to infantile confrontation with the castration complex. Because apparently, according to Freud, the infant enters the world assuming that both of his parents have a phallus. And at birth, they are presented with not a phallus and they go to castration. And they have a castration fear and somehow any, not just foot fetishes and like any fetish can really be thrown in here to kind of like distract from the fear of being castrated. What? Freud had a lot of thoughts. He's fucking he's a lot of thoughts. Yeah, yeah. There are lots of poets. I'm gonna just burn all these names. Gautier, Baudelaire, Swinburne, and Keats were all footboys. I read two papers about this, and I still don't really understand poetry. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna get it. Question to ponder: Is Cinderella a story about a prince with a foot fetish? Uh, oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe? This is a question asked in this commentary by an orthopedic surgeon. And then the rest of it was like, no, the rest of it was like 14, like very specific points about things he's learned as an orthopedic surgeon, like where to thread the tendon into and whatnot. But he did start off with about Cinderella about a foot fetish. And I was like, this paper transitioned quickly into (laughs) academia, 
academic, not nonsense, but actually the opposite of nonsense. The Cinderella stuff is the nonsense. But like, man, he got like super yeah. like specific about surgery after asking that question that's not about surgery. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was being funny to start or something. I don't know. He really did feel like people didn't care enough about feet and feet surgery. And they are important and they support the body and they're kind of complicated. Yeah. There's a lot of little bones. I think he thought it more from a um, medical perspective. Yeah. Just so you know how dangerous a high heel shoe can be. In Britain, in the 15th century, a law was passed that said that any woman who through the use of high-heeled shoes or other devices leads a subject of his majesty into matrimony shall be punished with the penalties of witchcraft, which is basically what? death. Burn her at the stake. She, she used, used shoes. High heels to woo me. <laughs> and it was, she used uh, shoes. It was successful. I have regrets. <laughs> and she took the shoes off and her legs weren't as shapely. <laughs> Witchcraft, okay. Another paper has told me who the greatest foot fetishist of all time is. It is a okay. man named Restif de la Breton, who is a French novelist. And his footiest books seem to be Le Pied de Franchette, which was about a pretty French orphan girl who was hounded by shoe fetishes. And it honestly also sounds kind of hilarious <laughs> to me. <laughs> Just a bunch of, I understand people wanting to talk about feet and ankles and just following me around. <laughs> Restif de la Breton is also reputed to be the person who coined the term pornographer. History fact. Oh. Then we have Havelock Ellis, who was an English sexologist, who was also a virgin. That sounds so it fake. Does. It doesn't sound like a real. <laughs> no. All right. Well, he was a medical doctor as well, but he studied sex and he like, I don't exactly know how people feel about him. He did research into homosexuality and also, like, trans. And for the time, because it was, like, the late 1800s, he was actually fairly, like, open-minded about it. He was also Mm -hmm. a eugenicist. Oh. Uh, But he was also a virgin until he was uh, 60. He did marry a a woman in his 30s who was a lesbian, and they lived in separate houses. And then when he he had suffered from impotence his whole life, until when he was 60, he discovered that watching a woman pee made his dick stand up. Oh, Jesus Christ. Back to feet. He would say, quote, The foot is a center of force, an agent for exerting pressure. The energy of its movements become a substitute for the sexual organs themselves in coitus and exerts the same kind of fascination. Uh, Uh, no. Wait, he was a sexologist? How- how? How can you study something you've never had? Well, apparently his friends used to make fun of him. (laughs) When they would see, like, because, like, I think he did write fairly scholarly stuff, especially about homosexuality, that in a way that wasn't terrible for the late 1800s but his friends sure, would okay. make fun of him because he was a big fat virgin actually he was a pretty skinny virgin with a handlebar mustache okay <laughs> Jesus all right then <laughs> bowman et al from 1998 found a statistically significant relationship between the popularity of foot fetishes and waves of stds and so there, there was a documented exponential increase in foot fetish descriptions in mass circulated pornographic literature during the initial phase of the AIDS epidemic. Huh. And the Victorian poets may have been trying to avoid syphilis. Okay. And the foot, you can do stuff with feet. Okay. <laughs> yep. Janini et al. in 2007 published a paper called Relative Prevalence of Different Fetishes. 
And so they used Yahoo message boards as a source of their data. And the search term they used was fetish. Before Reddit. 2007, Reddit was probably not in the academic circles yet. I'm sure there are papers with Reddit in it now. Their search term was fetish. So they just were finding message boards that had fetish in them. And after calling, they had 381 Yahoo message boards that were actually about fetishes. And so out of that, the relative frequency of fetishes for feet and toes was 47%. It is the highest. Wow. The next most frequent was body fluids at 9%. Ew. Also, huge drop. Yeah, that's number two. That's number two. And it also is number two. (laughs) Listeners, what is your favorite non-sexual body part? I mean, body fluids can still be sexual. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's not what they're talking. I mean, not earwax, but you know. (laughs) That's not what they're talking about. Saliva. and not what they're talking about here. What is your favorite non-sexual body part? Mine's forearms. Buckets. Buckets. Also, uh, whoever taught us the last part of uh, BMCDB, that class about DNA. Oh, British forearms. Oh, yeah. I'll say I might have a slight shoe fetish because I do like one very particular type of shoe. Work boots. Square toe Mm. boots. (laughs) Not the shoe. I don't want to do anything with the shoe. Just the man wearing the shoe. All right, you guys are not going to yeah. tell me what your favorite non-sexual body part is? Oh, I thought you were asking I'm the, asking like, the oh. listeners, but I also just oh. told you mine. I like knees. Knees? I know. It's the weird, bees, but like knees. That is interesting because <laughs> knees can be weird. Right? Kirk has cute knees. Have you Aww. seen those knees? It's like a meme and they look like baby faces. <laughs> Oh, God. Because <laughs> no. they have oh, little yeah. dimples and Mine stuff that make them that. look like they have little baby faces embedded in them. <laughs> Mine kind of have that. <laughs> oh, man. Knees. That's an interesting one. Okay. I don't know. Some knees are good. Some knees are bad. I also said this that plants are optional. And they asked me why forearms. And I said, I don't know. Which I guess is, it what, just is what people it is. say. Well, yeah. I did say you can see them a lot of the time. The forearms are yeah. kind of yeah. there. I'm going to go with, and I don't know if this counts, not technically a body part, but like just beards, facial hair. Beards works. I think beards totally works. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I like it. Beards often come in correlation with the square toed work boot. Let me this tell you. This is true. All right. So that was favorite body part. And then same thing, message boards, but preferences for objects. Objects worn on legs and buttocks, 33%. And Feetwear was 32%, so a lot of foot, leg, lower body stuff. And the next one, the next closest was underwear, 12%. Still a big gap. Yeah. Underwear seems like it should be up there. Yeah. Well, okay, wait a minute, though. What is this survey off of? They just kind of called through Google message boards, looking for message boards that had fetish in the title. And then within those boards, yeah. they kind of went through them by hand to pull out the ones that were actually about fetishes. Because I feel like underwear isn't really a fetish. Like everyone wears it and you take them off to have sex. So it's not I'll really like that, that. But I would say kinky. not every man will go to a website and buy used underwear. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, oh, oh I yeah. see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Nope. That's yeah. And panty thieves and That's stuff different. like that. That's different, yeah. Um, well, it's a lot harder to catch an STD from a shoe than it is from dirty underwear, true. I guess. I mean, it depends where that shoe has been. Ew. Or where those feet have been. Yeah. Yeah. Forget about fisting. Uh, uh, you can uh, fist my shoe, sorry. I guess. That's fine. Ew. Well, pacemakers 
was thankfully at less than one percent. <laughs> what the? Oh my god! Fuck! Which I didn't even consider. Diapers was also less than one percent, which oh. I think oh my god probably no. would I would no. have expected higher. I've seen a lot of diaper weird shit on the internet. All right, note about the website. I'm probably not going to get it up on time because I am going on vacation. And I'm not going to post these articles on the website because I bet most of them are probably behind a paywall anyway. Mm, But if you are really a curious boy or girl, send us an email. I'll send you the PDFs. And if you ever find an article behind a paywall, do not pay that $50, $60. Email the corresponding author and tell them you are interested in this paper. And a lot of them will just send you the PDF. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We get nothing from the publishing companies. They take money from us. They're a business. All right. We're going to do a Healthline article about foot fetishes that asked, why do people like feet? Because that really didn't come up in these mm-hmm. academic papers. Mm-hmm. I think, Sarah, a couple Christmases ago, heavy pandemic, I came over for Christmas and we did fall into this query. <laughs> We were talking about your oh my god yeah person mm-hmm. that was really intrigued and wondering if they could buy your socks or something right no they didn't ask to buy if they'd asked to buy I would have sold them but I wasn't gonna oh. break it up myself okay that and hand modeling I'm concerned with some of the company you keep <laughs> I have really dainty joints biology and this is like the feet are covered with a lot of nerve endings more sensations, whatever. But I feel like most people that have a foot fetish like other people's feet. Yeah, they don't want to touch their feet. So they want other people's. this is a super yeah. matter. There's humiliation. Feet are considered below. And so some people like to feel lower than their partner. That one kind of makes okay. sense. And domination, which kind of goes hand in hand with submission and humiliation. It's not really a biological basis, but it's definitely more yeah. of a men thing. So they did a poll in Belgium in 2007. 17% of men had a foot fetish versus 4% of women. Okay. I took a detour to Wikipedia. There is no actual consensus about the specific causes of foot fetishes. There probably are a number of factors, not no singular cause, but there is the brain theory that involves the somatosensory cortex in the brain. And so there's this fun thing called the cortical homunculus, which I will put on the website when I get when I, I love get there. The word <laughs> yes. And so it is basically a distorted representation of the human body based on a nerd neurological map of areas and proportions of the human brain dedicated to processing motor functions or sensory functions for different parts of the body. And so areas with more complex or with more neurons, they will appear larger in this homunculus drawing than other areas, which means Motor or sensory, whatever you end up with, you get disproportionately huge hands, lips, and face. That's where the okay. majority of the innervation takes place. The hippocampus, another part, a non, non-sexual part of the body that is, like, awesome. Okay. Because it's memory. And yeah. so, like, who doesn't love a partner that has a good memory? Yeah. <laughs> no need to, like, call me out. No, no I, not you. I'm just saying in general. fucking sucks. Mine too. <laughs> So, on the homunculus for the sensory cortex, the feet and genitals occupy adjacent areas in the brain. So, possibility that there's some miswiring, some neurological crosstalk between those two regions. Yeah. Some medical professionals question the simplicity of this homunculus map compared to reality, which I do probably agree with the brain is complicated, but it's a whole mess. Who knows? Back to Healthline real quick. 
if you do have a foot fetish, this is what Healthline suggests for bringing it up to your partner. Quote, consent for any sexual activity is key, foot play included. The wrong time to approach the subject is in the heat of the moment. Oh, yeah. Instead, look for opportunities like when the two of you are relaxing together or shopping. Shopping. Do not bring up your foot fetish to me while we're fucking shopping. This is a like one on one conversation. Yeah. I don't want to do this in public. public too, oh please. my God. Yeah, no. There is also footfetishmatch.com. I oh, did no. not sign up, which That's also meant that I couldn't see what it looked like, though. All right. Let me wrap this up with ass news. Which could this week potentially involve fetishes, foot or otherwise. Uh Because on Tuesday, February 7th, Vesta enters Aries. Vesta is the asteroid of absolute devotion. And Aries is passionate AF, lusty DTF. So, you know, (laughs) who knows what will come up in this particular notion you want to get a little less sexy use some of this fiery nature of aries to burn away your past relationship entanglements and move forward with a fresh slate which i'm saying no i'm not going to do but i'm also not going to touch your foot (laughs) (laughs) so that said aries can get spicy Mm -hmm. sexually spicy if you want it to as i told taryn i am like a glass of milk there's nothing spicy about me at the moment (laughs) <laughs> so, Vesta and Aries won't touch me. And then I'm just going to do one more. Just hit the big ones of the week. We can wrap this up. Saturday, February 11th, Mercury enters Aquarius. Mercury, y'all should know by now, is about communication. And then an Aquarius in Mercury means your thoughts may start running towards the future. Aquarius is nice and quirky. And so there's really no, nothing's too weird for the Aquarii. So, nope. just brainstorm the fuck out of it any weird idea that comes up don't dismiss it because it's weird but in the same breath Aquarius don't cling desperately to their original ideals and will change their mind in light of new evidence so don't you don't have to marry the weird idea just entertain the weird idea and see where it takes you okay well listeners as Ah! hannah mentioned if you would like copies oh of God. those papers or i think it's if good you want to share your favorite non-sexual, non-sexual body, part, body part or you have a suggestion for me for an episode make sure that hannah's in that subject line <laughs> put hannah in the subject line if you have any idea whether wet dreams feel good or just annoying yeah, yeah, that's definitely a Hannah subject line there. But you can reach us on Twitter at True Trine, on Instagram at True Crime Trine, Facebook TCT Podcast. Email us directly with Hannah in the subject line, True Crime Trine. <laughs> Hannah. And then check out our website, www.truecrimetrine.com. Bye. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com.
Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.